0: welcome to systems meet humanity shining a spotlight on the intersection where business structures meet emotion i'm your host marina darlo let's dive in today is the most special episode i've released so far i'm talking to naomi dunford the sharpest most effective and most compassionate marketing coach i've ever known she's honestly one of my favorite people on the internet and in real life. While the conversation is deep and personal, Naomi shares priceless practical insights on systems, emotions, and the interplay between them. Tune in. I think you'd really enjoy this one. Hello, Naomi. Welcome to Systems Meet Humanity. It's amazing to have you here. Thank you, Marina. I'm happy to be here. We are going to talk about the regular stuff we talk on this podcast, which is systems and emotion and the intersection between them. But beforehand, I want to tell my audience a little bit what's special about this episode. So people who listen, you're probably here because your emotions clearly get mixed up with the systems that you put in place, which means you're probably more sensitive and intense and attuned to yourself than your average population. In this episode, I want to give you, my listeners, a real inspiration because Naomi is a shining example of someone highly creative, ADHD gifted, and also really incredibly successful. And just to, if you don't know her yet, she has over 50,000 people in her mailing list. She was on all kinds of major publications. And as we were discussing before, she has active gods in her employ, or maybe not in her employ, but people that she works with, the biggest names in the industry. So Naomi has an extremely loyal and excited following. And I'd even say, based on my own example, because I'm the boss here, she has a loving following, which is incredibly, incredibly rare. So I want you to tune in and listen to what she has to share because she is really an inspiration and kind of a beacon of what we can all be when we grow up. Naomi, are you blushing yet?
1: I was just going to say, I'm so glad we're not doing this on video. (laughs) (laughs) I'm blushing so much. (laughs) Thank you. You're very kind.
0: I mean every word. You know I do. So let's start with a kind of general question in your mind, emotions in business, you write so much about it. Can you kind of start when when they get in the way? And on the other hand, when the emotions propel us forward to grow the business? Mm.
1: You're starting with a good question. I like that. Okay. Emotions, I would say almost always get in the way. In fact, I would venture to say emotions always get in the way. Sometimes that's a positive getting in the way in that the they perform the function of propulsion. And sometimes they get in the way and that performs the function of stagnation or paralysis. But I would say emotions always get in the way. And when we try to mm, not necessarily stop it from happening, but ignore the fact that it is happening, that's when all of the wheels fall off the bus, all of the things we read about, all of the things we experience, the things we bond over, the things that kind of go to hell in a handbasket, that's when we ignore the effect of our emotions on our days, our systems, our business, our career, et cetera, et cetera, ad nauseum.
0: I agree. This kind of reflects my own experience, which is why I asked the questions in the first place. And I can speak pretty know confidently when my emotions got in the way and usually in my case it uh, resulted in paralysis can you think of your example maybe your client's example when emotions were negatively affecting your daily functions
1: i can tell you about that for today Uh, (laughs) (laughs) actually to be honest today's been a pretty good day today's been a pretty good day but the emotions that we experience I'm assuming we're effectively talking to business owners here, right? We're not talking to, to people who work in, you know, pharmaceutical sales. When we run a business, we have none of the culturally created structures, feedback mechanisms, reward and punishment matrices that we have in virtually every other arena of life. And so at school, If you have a task to do, you have to write your geography essay, and you're feeling like an imposter, I'm sorry to hear that. (laughs) Write it. And the structure is created in a way that your emotions getting in the way, creating paralysis, you're not going to get very far in life with those structures at work in a company. Okay, so I'm that pharmaceutical sales rep and I have to email my boss and I don't want to because I'm kind of embarrassed about that thing that happened that time. Okay, you can't just not do it. There is an established matrix of what occurs when you don't do things or when you get paralyzed. And as such, out in the world, we are very seldom paralyzed. When we have a business, that matrix, that entire infrastructure of you know, crime and punishment, of reward, of expectation disappears entirely, and our emotions just flounder, like we just go nuts.
0: Oh God, do you read Terry Pratchett?
1: I used to many years ago.
0: Yeah, um, you have a child that might be into Terry Pratchett fairly soon. Oh, that's right. In one of his books, there's an episode about a woman giving birth to a baby, but the problem that this woman can travel in time. And the midwife is speaking to, to the hero, telling the story. And she says, you know, most women, when they have babies, they'd rather not be there. But the problem is with that mother, she could just not be there. <laughs> so the whole process was really complicated. And it's kind of like that. When you are running your own business, you really don't want to go and pitch someone to be on their blog. There's no defined, clear, immediate, present punishment for not doing the pitch. You're just getting overwhelmed with emotion and you feel like a, a flake. And it's very hard to snap out of it, right?
1: Can I tell you where I learned this concept? It was actually from personal relationships. I was dating a guy and I wouldn't say he had an anger problem. He had a flooding problem. If you know anything about ADHD and you know about the concept of becoming dysregulated, Flooding is basically when your emotions take such a hold that you, you become flooded with emotion, sort of literally. And you just kind of can't be in control of your behavior. And this is not necessarily going crazy and trashing a hotel room. This might be a catty comment or a huff or a big sigh or an eye roll. And when you're flooded, you kind of can't help it. And we were having a conversation about this and he said, I'm really sorry. I can't help it. And I was losing my patience with the whole thing. And I said, if there was a cop in the room, could you help it? And he was like, wow, I think I could. And I'm like, yes, because when there is any kind of external authority, consequence, social pressure, we are remarkably in control of our emotions, But when we're in our own private space, this could be a marriage, it could be a friendship, it could be a family relationship, or it could be a business, anything involving self-initiative, we can allow our emotions to overwhelm us, and therefore we do.
0: Wow. You know, we we talked about propulsion, emotions Mm -hmm. as an engine. Mm -hmm. When does that happen? Can you talk a little bit about that? And then we'll get to the practicalities and advice and all the wisdom that you have to share. Perfect. The
1: primary place in my experience and the experience of my clients and the people I know and work with, when emotion can provide propulsion is when there is true love, heart, or care in what you're working on. That's the positive side of it. Um, This morning, I was doing a writing session for a class that I'm teaching where we all get together and write together, and I really should be working on the book that I'm working on. But I was so excited about this series from my blog that I thought, if I follow that affection that I have, that real genuine like that I have about this new series, I will probably be able to move mountains. I will probably be able to be stupidly productive. And so I was able to follow that and get so much progress made. So that's an example of a positive propulsion. On the other side of the spectrum, you have some types of negative propulsion, especially if you do have any ADHD going on, and that could be big kid diagnosed, guy in a white coat diagnosed you with it, or it could be, you know, it's starting to seem like I'm pretty ADD. Whatever that happens to be is we are very, very motivated by fear. And so fear of a deadline, fear of a certain type of negative consequence But particularly anything crisis, urgency, anything that has us feeling that adrenaline, that has a very propulsive effect as well. And so waiting till the last minute for the rest of the world, when they told us in high school, you shouldn't wait till the last minute. If you have ADD, actually, maybe you should, because that will actually activate your brain, flood you with the good brain alert types of adrenaline and get you moving. And all of a sudden you're like, holy cow, I wrote 4,200 words in 90 minutes. That's another place where it can propel as well, that fear of a deadline. So it can be positive or negative.
0: Right. Yeah, I can relate. I, can, I don't have ADD, but there are a few things as motivating as deadlines. I had a client who set it flat out when we were trying to kind of build a custom framework for him to work more productively. And he was like, I fooled all the coaches I ever worked with. I'm like, okay, what does work? A deadline. And that's it. That's the only thing that works. <laughs> so in a sense, like sometimes you can impose fake deadlines on yourself. It, you have to be really good at self-delusion for that. You I have, have never come.
1: been able to make that work. I have heard that other people are masters at the craft. Doesn't work for me. Not even kind of.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So speaking of make-believe and crafts that people make for themselves to make them more productive, everybody needs a system for something. What do you need and use a system for? And of course, it could be more than one thing.
1: Mm. Can you give me an example?
0: Yeah. So for instance, I have a system for planning my week because if I don't, the amount of open loops is so overwhelming to me. Like I get up Monday morning and if by Monday afternoon, I don't know what I'm doing when in my week, I'm a wreck. I start thinking that I'm never going to make it and this business is going to fail and what I've been doing so far and I'm starting to think about all my previous shortcomings. And all I need to do is just to sit down, make a list, plug stuff on the calendar, maybe answer a couple emails and then I'm good. Then I'm able to take action. And I have a very clear set of steps That I need to go through. So this is an example of a system that I use to get emotions out of my way and actually become productive with my time and energy.
1: Mm, Okay. I like that. Well, I will tell you, I am far, 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 far better at creating systems in my personal life than I am in my business. I have a lot of narratives around the fact that my business is very intuitive. And I have a lot of narratives around what we will often call whirlpools, whirlpools of creative energy the idea that there are certain times when all of the planets are beautifully aligned and it is the perfect time to knock out a bunch of emails or the perfect time to write this essay. And those can be negative because sitting around waiting for those perfect times is not really great for productivity, but they can also be positive in that when you wait for systems to be, or times to be conducive, you can eliminate all of the resistance. So it's a double-edged sword. So I'm much, much more, active and successful at making systems in my personal life. I can give examples about anything to do with what we might call like the basics of adult living, self-care, putting makeup on, getting dressed, having a shower. As somebody with ADHD, those are actually really hard. And there was never really a memo given to me as a young person that those were not optional things. (laughs) And that it didn't matter how I had this big story about how exhausting it was to put foundation on my face. Nobody cares. Put it on your face. Laundry. Laundry has been a constant system-making process for me because for all of my adult life until a certain point, laundry was a constant surprise to me.
0: (laughs) The fact that you run out of socks?
1: Yeah, basically. I would look in my sock drawer and be like, okay, I'm down to four pairs. And then the next day I'd be down to three and the next day I'd be down to two and the next day I'd be down to one. And then I'd go, huh, I don't have any socks. So then I would go through the natural process of rifling through the laundry pile to find the least dirty pair of socks do that for a couple of days. And then I would get to the point where really it must be done. And I would look at that very same pile that I had looked through possibly even this morning and go, holy crap, I really have to do laundry. Uh. Repeat weekly.
0: (laughs) So what, did you end up putting a system in place to conquer your laundry?
1: I did actually. I got rid of most of my clothes, which means that I now cannot go four weeks without laundry. So I realized that was a big weakness of mine. Knowing that I didn't actually have to do it made it impossible for it to be done. And I also got smaller laundry baskets. And it took time to get to the point where I realized that the floor beside the laundry basket was not an acceptable alternative. Uh, (laughs) So that was another thing that I did. Another thing I did was I made it so that all of my clothes with the tiniest amount of exceptions can be washed on the same setting. That was a a real bottleneck for me was, Oh, but then I'm going to have to sort them and Oh, which ones are cold and which ones are hot and which ones are, I just started washing everything on the same setting.
0: Oh, totally. Because that's like another barrier Exactly. Whenever you have an extra step, you're like, uh, mm-hmm. uh, so I want to go back to the business side because I think you are doing it so well and in such kind of a unique way that we can all learn from this. So here's the thing. And it's a question I like to ask almost every interviewee that comes here. Can you tell us about a time? when things got so out of hand, namely emotions ran so intense in your business that you finally decided to get some kind of a process in place or maybe outsource it the heck out? And how did you do it? And what kind of difference did it make once you did have a working system?
1: That's a beautiful question. I can easily answer that. Please. There was a time when I was receiving over a thousand emails a day this was back when having a blog made you a very very unique cool and famous person <laughs> wow You've
0: been so doing it for a while, haven't you yeah
1: yeah i have and back then that was pretty normal if you had a popular blog it was an inund- it was it was an inundation it was a landslide every day <laughs> and i reached the point i keep in mind i would have been in my late 20s i had a child who was under 5 and I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't absolutely mean to create a business. I wasn't really very conscious about it. And so I found myself in a situation, 100% of my own making and 0% of my own prediction. And we were getting an amount of email that is even now incomprehensible to me. It was just a completely different world back then. And I had tried hiring a virtual assistant with laughable results. And the less said about that the better. Okay. And I knew a woman who had an amazing VA and I thought to myself, I wonder if I should hire someone like her. And then I had the thought that changed everything. (laughs) Maybe instead of hiring someone like her, what if I hired her? And did you? I did. And we got in contact and she was just as wonderful as I thought she would be. And she told me her rate and I very nearly threw up. I was dizzied by how much it was going to cost. And I did it anyway because the email situation had become so out of control that I was very close to quitting business. Wow. And something had to change. I was still at a point where I was not yet personally invested enough that if the entire of my business had just, if I lit fire to it in front of myself, I don't know that I would have cared. But anybody who has ADHD knows you spent your life being called a flake. And I was very invested in proving that I could complete something. And so I was not willing to let myself quit Because I wanted to prove to other people, not that I could succeed. I already had succeeded. I needed to prove that I wouldn't quit. And so that was very important to me. And so I hired her. Her name was Marissa. She was transformative. She was expensive. And she actually created the systems. And realizing that this was so far beyond my sort of salary cap, my salary level, that I needed somebody else to completely take it over. And she did. And what was the difference that it made? Well, I'm still in business today. That's the difference it
0: made. Luckily for us, how did it make you feel in the moment, like once the systems were there? Do you remember, like, what it felt like once you realized that you don't need to deal with a thousand emails a day?
1: The relief was dizzying. It was honestly, it, it gave me vertigo. Wow. It, the feeling that I was not in charge of absolutely everything anymore gave me a feeling of such relief that it honestly made me a little sick and it did for a while. And then after that, I realized that I could take a real vacation and I went away for quite a while actually and went away with my family and we did a big family trip and I looked back on work for about 20 to 30 minutes each Friday. And that was it. And the freedom of that, I would love to say it was exhilarating. It actually made me cry. I, the relief was incalculable.
0: Wow. Wow. That's really powerful. I'm trying to think about this one time when the relief in my case was so tremendous. And I honestly can't. Because the only time I felt something remotely kind of sort of faded version like what you're describing is when I finished uh, my big class during the summer. Mm -hmm. And it was just a relief from two months of ridiculous hours day in and day out with really high stakes. Now I can relate to both points of proving that I'm not a flake because, I don't know, I think anybody in business who doesn't yet have the credentials and the social proof, you can feel it. Like Until you're known, until you're established, until you are making a living, you feel like a flake more or less daily or hourly. You you feel you're
1: under the microscope. I think that's a big part of it too.
0: For the people that you serve?
1: No, for your family, friends you know, anybody who could theoretically be at a high school reunion. So you're in business, huh? Dot, dot, dot. Pregnant pause.
0: (laughs) You know, for me, it's not even that. It's I'm under the microscope myself. Like I'm the one on the other end of the microscope because I actually happen to have a very understanding environment. Like, People think I'm really cool for running this business. I'm doing something really unusual because everybody else around me is in corporate. And for them, just the thought that I'm doing something without, you know, making my family starve. That's already like, wow, you're so brave. But for me internally, it's like, so you're in business, huh? What proof do you have? That's actually successful. Yeah. Are you sure? Oh, these people, they're just nice to you. Well, they kind of convinced themselves because they paid you, so they got some value. Mm-hmm. So that sentiment that was constant when I was making the course, and just the sheer amount of work that went into it. That was my first time recording videos as I was teaching. I never touched a video before, and doing research at the same time. And you know, you probably can relate to the experience. Mm-hmm. And when it finally ended and I got good reviews and everything was great and people were happy, then it was a relief, you know, when a spring is being uncoiled. Yes. And speaking of, you know what? This is actually a question. We're going off script here, just how you like it. One of the hardest things for me was to go back into some kind of a business routine. Now, unlike you, I don't have this whirlpool of creativity, And I'm happy to talk about them because that's kind of a novel idea to me. I'm a very linear, systematic person.
1: Ah, yes, I would imagine it would be, especially if you have a more sort of engineering mind.
0: Right. I'm an engineer and I worked in corporate project management for most of my professional life. (laughs) So getting back after you experienced this intense, like tears-inducing relief for days on end, Especially when you were on vacation with your family, like you said. How the heck did you get back on track? And in a more broad sense, how do you get back into some kind of functional routine after the creative whirlpool is over? You've created. And then what? Do then- you have a process for that? Or is it just happening to you? And where are the emotions in this whole thing? Like, how could you describe it? Sure. I'll answer in two ways.
1: How did I get back on track? That would imply that at the time there was a track and there was not. Therefore, I went back to the chaos it always was, except my inbox was clean. (laughs) And that's when I had to start building systems over much time. And I would never have called it that, but that's what it was was the realization that now that the constant drain of administration had alleviated somewhat, now I could start using both forms of the concept of executive function. Executive function being a psychological term, but executive function, I am also an executive. (laughs) And being able to actually have slowly over time more and more time to devote to that part of my brain, that zone of genius, slowly over time built what are now systems.
0: So tell me, within these systems, what was the most challenging one for someone as ADHD and as gifted as you are? Where were the biggest humps? Social media, no question. Yeah. Why and how did you conquer it?
1: I tell you why, but I didn't conquer it. (laughs) Um. So Why? Because social media has no linear component intrinsically. Does your daughter play Minecraft? Does she play any of those kind of sand, sandbox games where they can just do whatever they want? Not to my knowledge. Okay. My son does. And he says, do you want to play Minecraft? And I go, I would rather do myself harm.
0: <laughs> Why? Well, I'm not, honestly, I'm not familiar with Minecraft. My street cred has just gone out of the window, but I have no idea how it works.
1: You're all good. Your daughter does ballet. You're okay. In Minecraft, like many games of its ilk, it is what's called a sandbox, which means do what you like. Walk around, build things, dig for mining, gold, lapis, whatever. You can just do whatever you want all the time. That is remarkably consistent with my experience of life, and on a level, it's hell, because I don't know what the rules are. So if I'm going to do a launch, I did think to myself, I have really good launch systems in place. So when you first ask what systems do you have in place, I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> but I'm like, no, I have, I have really good launch systems.
0: I know you do. Yeah, I didn't know I did. <laughs> Hi, I've taken a few of your courses, and I'm following the systems that you outlined there, and they work. There you so go. Don't tell me you don't have systems.
1: There you go. So in those types of situations, I know exactly how I'm going to launch something. I can do it in my sleep now. It, it's, it is so easy. You could wake me up at four, four o'clock in the morning and say, Naomi, I have a launch emergency. I need you to plan me a launch right now. I'd say, get me a coffee and a pen. We're good to go. Okay. Because it is extremely linear or I have made my launches to be extremely linear. I know exactly where I am in the process. I know exactly what pieces need to be in place. If I had to make a manual, if Marina, you were going to be in charge of my launches permanently, I could have you a manual by the end of the day. Okay? Wow. On the other hand, social media is much more like Minecraft. Do what you like. What do you want to do? And it makes me crazy. And so the complete lack of intrinsic linearness means that social media is a place for me to have no, there's no inter- intrinsic structure. There's no inherent seeing where you are on the path. When I'm doing a launch, I can tell you I'm 30% done when I'm doing social media. I I would get there and I wouldn't know what to do. And so, yeah, social media is, is hell for me.
0: It's pretty amazing to hear from you specifically. Because you keep talking about these whirlpools and creativity, and you make an impression of a person who doesn't think and behave in very linear ways. And then you come and say, Oh, but social media has no linearity to it. And I'm lost and I hate mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Huh. So my linear thinking, and we both know that I'm an engineer and I'm kind of, I think in boxes and in blocks and in charts, and in tables, and I thought that the way I feel about social media, that there's no, the goals are very nebulous. Like, Mm -hmm. what are your goals in social media? Engagement? Is it okay if I have 6,000 likes on my page, or is it dismal? Do I need social media to get clients? And you know, some people do that, and they're very focused on, I'm going to do a Facebook group, and this is where I get my business, and I get so-and-so many clients a week, a month, a year. Some people can do this. I haven't yet cracked that code.
1: I was going to say, I haven't met any of them.
0: <laughs> well, I have, I have met people who have groups of this 10,000 people, and they sometimes share their numbers, and they say, I made a, whatever, 15K launch selling baby products to my Facebook group. I haven't met them personally, but I, I have no reason to doubt their words. And people tell me it exists, Right. But for me, that's not what I do on social media. And I'm kind of never sure what kind of engagement is meaningful. Now, granted, I'm very much in the beginning of my my road when it comes to Facebook, Twitter, and such like. And I'm still learning the ropes. And my social media engagement is social, as in this is where my friends live in closed groups where we share parenting advice and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But I totally feel you because like, There's blue ocean out there. I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do.
1: Exactly. And I don't have enough self-confidence in that arena to just pick a strategy and go with it. And that's what I tell people to do. And I can do it in other arenas. I can do it with my launch. I can do it with my blog. I can do it with my book. But when it comes to social media, I simply don't have enough self-confidence in the medium to say, this is my plan. This is what I'm going to do on insert social media here. And wicked, let's rock it. Periodically, I will get some of those whirlpools. And I have used schedule in the past to set up strategies and you know, pre-populate my fields and things like that. And I can do that. I do it about once a year. And I set up one or two or three months of, let's say, Twitter posts. And then I don't ever go back to it because it's freaking exhausting and I don't like it.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's like a full-time job. Yeah, I'm. I'm still figuring this out, which is why I'm not doing social media. I'm doing podcasts, and there this is a way of having people listen to me, having people speak to me, and forming relationships with people who are meaningful to me. Yeah, I have a couple more questions before we wrap up. Mm-hmm. Other than your amazing launch system, mm-hmm. is there a certain system that you completely swear by in your business, besides your laundry?
1: Um. Blog posts have become very systematized. They're not on any kind of schedule. I would like to start incorporating something like that. But blog posts have now become pretty systematized and it would be very difficult for me to operate without them. So I have my system of, I created a custom image template in a program called—I don't even know what I use—Be Funky, it's called—and uh, so I take a picture from stock photography, just like a cat or something, and I put a certain number of preset filters on that picture so it looks fairly consistent. And then I bring that picture into Canva, yeah. mm-hmm. and I have a certain way that I format that, and that becomes my vertical Pinterest image. And then the horizontal other social media image looks like this, and it gets all nice and beautifully organized, and I plug certain things into social warfare and I do all of the things in the little steps and that gets that gets blogging to it really cuts a lot off the time that it takes and that makes it possible I'd like to get there to be more of a system as far as actually making the posts goes but once I have made a post there is a system in place that it can be live if I'm sluggish in 25 minutes if I'm on and I'm like cool that cat is perfect boom then 15, 10, maybe if I'm really on.
0: Wow. It's amazing. And it's just the administration around the block. It's not the writing. Of no. The piece. Yeah. No. Cool. Awesome. Okay. Final question before we wrap up. These days, you get to choose who you work with. Mm-hmm. Mostly. Mm-hmm. You're that point in your business growth where you essentially choose your clients. Mm -hmm. In this vein, can anyone build a successful business? What I'm actually trying to say, are there any traits or processes, practical and emotional ones, that make most people grow to a reasonable, comfortable level of success? Or are there certain traits that cannot be overcome? Mm.
1: Wow, that's a good one. For years I used to say that I can't help people who don't have an X factor. But I was never able to define what that X factor was because it was going to be different in all cases. Which is not a particularly helpful answer to your question or anybody else's. But that's what I used to say is you you can just I can by instinct tell you if somebody has it or they don't. And I'm very rarely wrong on that. It's just, I get a sense. I think maybe that would be sort of like somebody in Hollywood who can tell when someone's going to be a star. They just, they just know. Why do they know? Tough to say. Nowadays, I would say it is a level of maturity, a specific type of maturity, awareness of your own quirks. But most important of all, it would be the maturity how do I want to say this, to know that certain of your own weaknesses, peccadilloes, resistance points must be overcome before you move forward. When someone has that maturity to know that this is not, oh man, Thank God you're editing this thing afterwards.
0: No, you're amazing. Thank you. I'm not going to edit out any of this because I really, like, I'm wrapped here listening to your process. Okay.
1: There's an ability to get over yourself. That if you have that, you really can't be stopped. You can be delayed, but you can't be stopped. And you can hear it in someone's voice. I used to do 30-minute intro calls, hopes and dreams, discovery calls to see whether someone was a good fit as a client and whether I was a good fit for them and those things like that. These are now sometimes running into an hour and a half, two hours, sometimes more than two hours because I'm rather fond of my track record. Yes, I want to work with people who I want to work with, but I also want to work with people who will succeed because it's better for my energy levels, talking to people who Suck, sucks. And so often those processes are long and in depth. And I can get a sense by the end if someone is willing to get over themselves. Often people think they'll say to me, I'm willing to do the work. And that's actually not what I'm looking for. I mean, that's a very good trait to have, as is brushing your teeth. But there's an ability to get over yourself and your story that creates unstoppable.
0: Wow. I want to pause here to let it sink in. And I want to add an interpretation to what you just said, because I'm here getting chills And the way I take it to heart is that there are practical ways to achieve almost anything. There are systems to be had, processes to follow, as long as you're willing to admit your own weaknesses and get over yourself to use the tools. Yes. Wow. Tell us again where people can find you. You can get me
1: at ittybiz.com, I-T-T-Y-B-I-Z, if you're American, z. if you're Canadian, dot com.
0: Ittybiz.com. Come play with Naomi. And thank you for listening. Thank you for being here, Naomi. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for listening to Systems Meet Humanity. There are show notes and goodies at systemsmeetshumanity.com. We'd love your support. Subscribe, leave us a review, share, tell the world. I'm Marina Darlock, and I'll talk to you next week.